The following message is from Grace on the Ashley Baptist Church, located in Charleston, South Carolina. For more information about Grace on the Ashley, visit graceontheashley.org. Good morning. The little girl in green, right there, the little girl, what's her name? I'm okay. Fast forward when you are before the throne of God, because that's you. That's what you're going to be doing when you're before the throne. We are so reserved and we're afraid what people think and people will say, she didn't. That's worship. That is worship. I'm telling you. If all of you did that when you worshiped, you could change this to Charleston, uh, to Grace Pentecostal Church. I don't know. But I just thought that was amazing. Do we have anything up here yet? We're working on it. This happened last time, so this gives me just a moment to to introduce myself. Uh, My name is Jack White, and uh, I taught at the Charleston Christian School for 35 years, six before that uh, in Chester, and now at Cairo's Christian Academy. I was saved in 1972 at the age of 19 at Baptist College at Charleston. That's really all you need to know. I've walked with the Lord for 50 years, and the message today is about Hudson Taylor. We heard the phrase, uh, hitch your wagon to a what? Yeah, what does that mean anyway? Hitch your wagon to a star. Aspire to be greater uh, than you are, to be more than you are. And so when I go to the Word of God and I say, Lord, I need examples, tell me how to live this life that is impossible apart from your grace and the examples that, that you have. And the other thing that I encourage you to do is to read biographies, to read biographies. Sell your house if you need to and buy this one. This is by Warren Wiersbe. 50 people every Christian should know. Now, when Greg called me a number of months ago uh, on a Saturday uh, evening, it was uh, the, Danielle's mom had just passed. And he said, can you preach for me tomorrow morning? And I said, sure. Lord, what do I do? Fanny Crosby. Well, here we are again. Now, I got a little extra time because Greg is, is sick, as you know, and, uh, and Aiden. And uh, so I got a call 1140 Friday evening. Okay, can you preach Sunday? Yes. So I went ahead and told him, look, hey, I'll preach next Sunday too. You know, it's fine. I, I, I love coming, but I hope he's well by then. But Hudson Taylor... When we look at the lives of of these people, we find that none of them were perfect. They were jars of clay through which the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ could shine through the cracks, through the weakness, through the failures, because they had a faith in the faithfulness of God. I want to say that again. These people had a faith in the faithfulness of God. Hudson Taylor, 
missionary to China. Most of us have heard about him. And years after ministering in China, he had asked God to provide missionaries for every province in China. And God did that. He's here in Melbourne, Australia. He's being introduced as a guest speaker, as a missionary speaker, and he is introduced as the moderator says, our illustrious guest. My students can say this if I just start it. Maybe you can. God gets the glory. That's the whole story. And if I start it, God gets the glory. That's the whole story. That is when God can use us because Hudson Taylor immediately says, Dear friends, I am the little servant of an illustrious master. Ephesians 3 8, Paul says, Unto me, who am the least of all the saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Unto me, who am less than the least of all the saints. What did Jesus Christ say? He says, those that are greatest in the kingdom are the servants of all others. And Hudson Taylor understood that he was nothing. He was simply a frail, fragile vessel that God chose to fill with the gospel message and the grace of God and to take it to China. He said this 20 years earlier. He said, all God's giants have been weak men, weak women, who did things because they reckoned on his being with them. If you have your Bibles and you turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4, this is Paul. This is his swan song. This is Paul knowing that before long he'd be in the Lord's presence and he's writing to young pastor Timothy who's in Ephesus. And he says to young pastor Timothy in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy verse 16, At my first defense no one came to my support. But everyone deserted me. Same is true in the Garden of Gethsemane, is it not? May it not be held against them, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the lion's mouth. Well, we don't know if that's Satan, but it was certainly a great danger that was before him, and God delivered him. And then he goes on to say, The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Hudson Taylor, all God's giants have been weak men who did great things because they reckoned on God being with them. 
And so what I want to show you today is the progression of a life where Hudson Taylor knew what it meant that God was truly for him and in him and with him and through him. And Hudson Taylor, by God's grace, did things that are impacting the world today. The numbers of believers in China is in the millions. We don't hear that on the news. But the church around the world is flourishing and God is being glorified in North Korea and, and in China. Believers are there because there were those who had the boldness and the faith to go and to plant seeds in a generation that would pass it on to the next generation and to the next generation. But when we understand that we are nothing, we are nothing but weakness, then God can use us. Hebrews eleven thirty two through 35 talk about heroes of the faith. And he mentions Jephthah, and he mentions Samson, and he mentions David, and he mentions the three Hebrew boys, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, not by name, but escaped the fury of the flames, he says. But then he says at the end of the passage, he says, who out of weakness were made strong. Paul learned to glory in his weakness. Now, some of you here are old. I just want to say that because I'm one of you. And I go to a doctor now that is an old person's doctor. I probably asked this last time, oh, what do you call it? Is he a geriatric doctor? Yeah, yeah, okay, I, I'm going to one now. Old people, and you know what I don't like about being old? I don't like weakness. I don't like not being able to be in the classroom five days a week, uh, all day long teaching kids. I can't do it, I can't do it. Uh, teaching two days a week and loving it. But I don't like weakness. I don't like physical weakness, emotional weakness, mental weakness, and all those things come upon us. Paul learned to glory in his weakness. Paul learned to glory, and he said, you know, I understand now that God needs nothing but my weakness. Because when I give God my nothingness, God gives me his everythingness, and who gets the glory? God gets the glory. That's the whole story. This is what Hudson Taylor said, lack of trust is at the root of almost all our sins and all our weaknesses. Now think about that. Don't just gloss over that. In Hebrews chapter 11, we have this hall of faith. And then we go to chapter 12, and it talks about the sin which so easily besets us. That's unbelief. It's unbelief because we just don't believe what God has said. We read it, and we say, that's good, and that might have been for him, that's not for me. When we get to the place when we understand God said it, I don't need to feel it. I don't need to see it. I believe it. And God says, that's all I need to hear. I'm on it. That's where God wants to bring us. 
But lack of trust is at the root of all our sins and all our weakness. And how shall we escape it except by looking to God and observing his faithfulness? That's why we're here this morning. God's faithfulness to Abraham. God's faithfulness to, to Jacob. God's faithfulness to all those who were not always faithful. But God was always faithful. And then in books like this, where we have these weak, frail vessels, and they find out, wait a minute, God's, this was God's idea. God called me to salvation. God called me to this ministry. God's got this. I'm available. I volunteer. Lord, whatever you want, I'm yours. And what do you think God does? What does he do? When my daughter was three, maybe four years old, I took her to the chapel and I talked to the kids and I said, I just want to talk about faith. And I put her on the communion table uh, in uh, Church, Church Creek Presbyterian Church, put her on the communion table. And uh, she was three or four. And I backed up and I said, I jump into my arms. Without a hesitation, she jumped. She just, she just flung herself off that table into my arms. And what do you think I did? I went... She knew I wouldn't. How did she know I wouldn't? Yeah, that's right. I said, all right, Emily, let's do this again. And I blindfolded her. And I backed up again. I said, can you see, Daddy? No. I said, jump off the table into my arms. Instantly flung herself off that table. And what did I do? I caught her. My love, her faith. My strength, her faith. My ability, her faith. She trusted me. This is what God does for those who really want to step out like Peter and walk on water by keeping their eyes on the faithfulness of the Savior. By observing God's faithfulness. The man and woman who holds God's faithfulness will not be foolhardy or reckless, but he will be ready for every emergency. Every emergency. There are no whoops with God. There are no whoops, no mistakes. When things happen, God's at work. Hudson Taylor learned that secret. When he was a little boy, four or five years old, just like these up here, don't think God's not working in their lives right now. Okay? Don't, don't. Those that minister to these young ones here, that's the next generation. They will be the world changers. They will carry the gospel to the next generation. This is never wasted time working with these little ones. I've done that for 42 years. Not that little. <laughs> not that little. Of course, I did have second grade twice a week, one year. About killed me. Okay, I'm just saying, right? They said, you're going to do ELA with second graders? I read them every frog and toad book in the universe. I'm just saying. And every mountain, every molehill was a mountain to them. Okay? 
Right, I don't know. Bobby put a booger on me. I mean, everything's way important to them. And I, you know, at the end of the year, I just, I said, hey, that's it. That's it. I'll do third, okay? But anyway, when I'm a man, I mean to be a missionary to go to China. That's cool. Some children know early on. Some children know early on. It's just God working, and you're praying, parents. You're praying, praying, praying over them. He was saved at 17, but he strayed until then. Trials, temptations of youth, he talks about them, but always the tuggings of the Holy Spirit on his heart. The tuggings of the Holy Spirit. But sin binds, sin blinds. And sin is never neutral. It's like walking in pluff mud. The further out you go, the deeper you get. Sin, once it lays hold of you, doesn't let go easily. If I wasn't saved at 19, I don't think I would have made it to 20. But the tuggings of the Holy Spirit on his heart, because he had heard the word of God spoken over and over and over and over again. I have five kids. I have two not walking with the Lord. Well, maybe just one. God is working. God is working. But when you have children that have heard the truth for so long and then, and then go astray, I've said, God, you can break my heart, but just don't break my faith. God, you can break my heart into pieces over my children. Don't break my faith. Don't let me doubt that you will not bring them to yourself and use them for your glory in your way and in your time. Your purposes, not mine. His mother. His mother leaves home for a couple of weeks and she visits a friend 100 miles away. And she is impressed by the Spirit of God to pray for Hudson Taylor. She goes into her room, she locks the door, and she prays for hours and hours and hours until she has a sense God's heard, God has answered. My son is saved. You want to live there? I want to live like that. I want to be able to pray about things and to say, God, I know you have heard this prayer. John 14, 14. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. In your name means in the character of all that Christ is. For his glory. And so we pray. And she prays until she senses that God has, has answered her prayer for Hudson Taylor back at home, back at the ranch. Hudson happens to pick up a track in his father's library. 
And he notices the track as he's reading this, this words, the finished work of Christ. And immediately he knows the scripture, John 19, 30, where Christ cries out on the cross in a strong voice, not a whimper, it is finished, which means in the Greek, paid in full. It's what they would write on debts when they were paid, stamped, paid in full. He fell to his knees. He yielded himself to Christ. And when his mother returned home two weeks later, she already knew. She already knew. Prayer. When I first came to the church that I'm at now, I first came there in 1973. I had been saved a year but didn't know Genesis from Exodus to Revelation. I knew nothing. All I knew is that I didn't want to do that stuff anymore. That's all I knew. My friends left me. <laughs> so I got to this church, and the pastor said to Mrs. Weeders and said to Dr. Fox, said, you need to disciple this young man because if you don't, he's going to go back into the world. And they didn't let me move to the left or right for about six years. They were always there. Mrs. Weeders, Dr. Fox. My mom saw the change in my life. She began to ask questions. But let me tell you, there's never been a mother like my mother, in my opinion. We were wealthy, cocktail parties all the time. My mom didn't smoke. She didn't drink. But she would go to the cocktail parties with dad. Do you know what she would do at cocktail parties? I already know. She would get two napkins, and she would go around uh, to the different things that, uh, that were there. And she, she had a napkin for me and a napkin for Bob. And she was picking things and putting it in the napkin, rolling it up and putting it in her purse. Because when, when she got home from those parties, we were there. We were there like, like puppies on the bone. And she'd open up that purse and the angels would sing, and she'd lay out all this stuff. I didn't think of that till later. She wasn't drinking. She was thinking about Bob, and she was thinking about me, and she didn't want to be there, but she was. She was a good woman. Too good, because she didn't see any need of salvation. Miss Stelling and Miss Weeders, when I say prayer warrior, you understand what that means. These are people that they just pray. They scare you with their prayers sometimes. Every Sunday when I went over to Mrs. Weeders to have Sunday dinner, raising a single, as a single parent, raising a, raising a daughter as a single parent, if an ambulance or a fire truck went by the house, Miss Weeders would fall to her knees and cry out to God. Oh, God, someone needs help. Someone, please help them. I thought, this is weird. What are you doing? When we get to heaven, we'll probably find out how many people got rescued because of her prayers. And the phone rings. And every time before she picks up the phone, she goes, God, please give me the words to say. She's praying over the whatever's supposed to. She doesn't even know who's on the other end. But this, she just breathed prayer. She and Miss Stelling went over to my mom's house. 
and tried and tried and tried to explain to my mom she needed to be saved. She said, I'm a good woman. They read to her, read to her from Romans 10.4, the Jews, but they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. Miss Weeders, Miss Stelling said when she heard that, she fell out of her chair onto her knees because she saw it. That her righteousness and her goodness was infinitely deficient before a holy and a righteous God. And my mom got saved. Oh, she got saved. She's in heaven today. But here is a mother who is so burdened for her son. And she locks herself in a room and prays until God lifts the burden. We need to do that. I need to do that. The truth that we learn in God's infinite wisdom is that God is preparing us for the ministry he's prepared for us. He's always working on both ends of everything. He can do that because he's God. He's eternal. But before God works through us, he works in us. Well, there's a lot of junk that God needs to deal with. Have you read My Heart, Christ's Home? It's a great little booklet. Thousands and thousands of people have been touched, but it talks about Christ going into every room of our lives and saying, okay, we're going to start here. This is obvious. And he goes and he goes and he goes, and Christ goes to a certain room and he finds something locked and he says, well, what's in there, knowing what's in there. And God begins to, to deal with stuff. He begins to deal. Because he wants the whole house. He wants everything. Spirit, soul, body, mind, heart, will, ears, eyes, hands, feet. He wants everything. Because God is preparing us for what he's preparing for us. Because he is determined to get glory to himself through your life. To look on the travail of his soul and then look at you and be satisfied. Isn't that what you want? When you think of the sufferings of the cross, the agony, and then for him now upon his throne to be able to look at you and to say to Satan like he did about Job, by the way, I notice you didn't mention Job, Satan. There's no one like him in the world. He's righteous and he's upright and he's just and you know the story. But wouldn't you want to be that person that, that God could say to Satan, hey, check her out. That's what I want for all of my children. Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. 30 years. When do we see him? When he's born? When do we see him next? At the temple when he is 12. And then again at 30. What do he do? 
He was a carpenter, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was building stuff. We, we hear no more about Joseph mentioned, so being the oldest, he probably had the responsibility of providing for everyone in the home. We don't know. It's a mystery. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, Deuteronomy 29, 29, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children that we might do all the works of this law. But, but God is in no hurry to put us in a place of usefulness in ministry until he knows we're ready for that. Because Ephesians 2.10, you could say it, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God has before ordained, what? That we should walk in them. For we are his workmanship. In the Greek, the word is poema. It's where we get the word poem. Where is poem? Where is poetry? Where p- God's poetry is etched on our lives. And God intends to let the world see divine poetry in your life. Rhyme and meter and all that go with poetry. That's what he wants to do, that there's someone in my life that is in so much control that he's, he's writing, he's writing my life out day by day. Psalm 139, 16 says that all our days were written in his book before one of them came to be. So we're living out in real time what God has already written down for us to accomplish. Hudson Taylor began to understand that God had a purpose for his life. Here's what he said. When he sails for China in 1853, let people see God working. Let God be glorified. Let believers be made holier brought nearer to him, and they will not need to be asked to help. In other words, when you're looking for people to serve God, be the person. Be that person, and others will want to be like you. When I have students come to me over the years, and I have students now that have kids, I feel like Moses. But I'm just saying, when they come to me and they tell me what God's doing through their lives, Most amazing thing, most amazing thing. And some even become teachers. And do you know why they say, I wanted to be a teacher? Because in third grade or fourth grade, it was awesome! We had such fun. I want to do that in the lives of other kids, because kids are great, and they keep you young, and I love them. And I sure miss teaching them all the time. But God's work done in God's way, will never lack God's supplies. Hudson Taylor said that. He didn't ask anybody for money. (laughs) D.L. Moody, on the other hand, was called God's beggar, right? It's just the different life. Moody would ask everybody for money for his ministries. Someone said one time, you even ask unsaved people, Moody, to give to your ministry. How come? He said, God sent crows or ravens to feed Elijah. That's an unclean bird. Bird, He said, I don't care who it comes from. We're going to use it for the glory of God. So D.L. Moody was God's beggar. But others thought 
It is enough. It is enough to ask God. That's why we're all so different. But he believed that God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supplies. Isn't that amazing? But his burden was for China. So everything was great from then on. Not so much. January 20th, 1858, Hudson Taylor marries Maria Dyer. But what you need to understand is that when light begins to enter darkness, there is always an equal and opposite reaction from the dark side. Whenever you make a move toward God, you will find resistance because we're in a spiritual battle, and Ephesians 6 tells us that. But when you have a desire to move close to God and cry out for holiness and spend more time in prayer and in the Word of God, you're going to find opposition. And Satan has no mercy. Hudson Taylor's married and things are going well. But during the darkest hours of the mission, Hudson Taylor became so discouraged that he was ready to end his own life. You say, what? Christians don't get discouraged, depressed, demoralized, even to the point of wanting to take their own lives. You're living in a different world than I am then. Okay? We have an enemy. He's far wiser than we are. And he comes to steal and kill and destroy. So when a Christian gets to that place of darkness, you really need to seek counsel. You really do. Whether it's another believer or biblical counseling center, but you can't stay there long because it'll get darker. You remember Elijah? Do you remember when Elijah called down fire from heaven? Right? You remember that? And he was mocking the prophets of Baal and of Asherah. Right? Where's your God? Hmm? Maybe he's on vacation. Trip to Hawaii? Surfing trip. I know. He's not here. They cut themselves. They start bleeding. It's gushing. He's saying, hey, guys, I don't think he's listening. Okay. He prays after they drench the altar. Okay. And God sends down fire from heaven, consumes And the 850 prophets of Baal and Asher are all put to death. And all the people of God are crying out, the Lord, he's God, he's God. Remember that story? Okay. Who finds out? Who finds out? Jezebel finds out. And she says, you're dead meat. Just send this message to Elijah and say, by this time tomorrow, you're dead meat. And what does he do? The great prophet of fire now becomes the prophet of fear because he what? He runs. And he runs, and he runs, and he runs, and he runs. And he collapses. An angel kicks him and says, hey, you need to eat. Fix it. I don't know if he kicked him, but, you know. Fix some food, angel food cake. And uh, I think that happened twice. The second time he, he, he runs or walks 40 days and 40 nights 
in the power of that angel food. That was good stuff. You know, I could use some of that right now. But anyway, he gets to Mount Horeb, I think, Mount Sinai, and hides in a cave. Do you remember the story? Okay, he's done with it all. And he just says, okay, I'm ready to go, right? Okay. What did Red Fox say when he pretended to have... What did he say? I'm coming! I'm coming, Elizabeth! <laughs> Here he is. He said, okay, God, just, just take me out. Just work with me on this. I'm alone. I'm left. They seek to take my life. I just want it to end. I just want it to end. And God says, Elijah, come here. Come out of the cave. Just come to the front of the cave. He doesn't. He doesn't. He stays back there. So God sends some stuff, right? What did he send? Let's see if we can find it here. Yeah. Hmm. A great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, 1 Kings 19, and the rocks, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. Yeah. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, and the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. Don't you love God's word? And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And I'm thinking, okay, point. Elijah knew all about God's power. He needed to know about God's love. And he's in the cave and he says, yeah, okay. God, I know you can do this stuff. But the Bible clearly says God wasn't in any of it. He was using the forces of nature. But reminding him of his power which Elijah already knew because he had done miracles. He had done, he had done seven miracles. He knew God's power. But then you know the rest of the story because God speaks to Elijah in a still small voice, a whisper, a gentle whisper. What did he say? He said what Elijah needed to hear and we don't know but he came out of the cave he came to the front when you open this book do you know what God wants to do more than anything he wants you to know how much he loves you he wants you to He's eternally in love with you. He's absolutely in control of every situation in your life, no matter how horrible it is. He just, he just wants you to know, it's like, I got this. I care about you, Elijah. All I know is that he told Elijah what Elijah needed to hear, to bring him out of the darkness and into the light. And then he sent Elijah on his way to pass his power 
and love to Elisha. You remember that? So he understood. Maybe he just said to Elijah, I understand. I understand. But you're not the only one left. Know that. And God tells him to go find his successor. Remember that? Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Elisha. Yeah. Train the next generation. And Elisha asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. I want to do what you did, but I want to do more than you did. Because now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us to him be the glory and Elisha was just saying you know what I want more I hope your heart's there God thank you for what you've done in my life I want more thank you for what you've done in that person's life but I want more and as you study the Bible, you'll understand that God sometimes just shows us things that encourage us because Elijah did seven miracles. Anybody want to guess how many miracles were recorded from Elisha's ministry? He asked for a double portion. Do the math. Fourteen. I am telling you that God is listening to your prayers and God says, why don't you just test me? Why don't you just trust me? Why don't you let me be God through your nothingness? And God will do things that rock your world so that you can rock this world. That's what God's up to. Do you want to miss that? Do you want to miss any of that? Do you want to stand before God and God say, Jesus say, man, I want to do more through you. I wanted to hear those words what? Well done, good and faithful servant. Or just a thumbs up. That's, for me, it's like, okay, Lord, how'd I do? Thumbs up. That's all I need. It's all I want, Lord. Thumbs up. What was his spiritual secret? How did God use a man to reach a nation? Taylor read a letter from missionary John McCarthy about the new freedom that had come into McCarthy's life. The Christian life, he wrote, is not a striving to have faith any more than a tree strives to produce fruit. The Christian life, he wrote, is not a striving to have faith, but looking off to the faithful one seems all we need. What? Looking off to the faithful one seems all we need. A resting in the loved one entirely. He loves me that much. <laughs> doesn't really know who I am. Oh, yeah, he does. Doesn't know what I've done. Yeah, he does. Doesn't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, he does. But he's faithful. He's faithful for time. He's faithful in eternity. He can be nothing other than faithful. And Hudson Taylor says, okay, I was striving to have all this faith. My eyes were all on me, 
And he says, I'm learning now that it's got nothing to do with me. As long as my eyes are on the one who is faithful. He said, I saw it all. I looked to Jesus and I saw it. And oh, the joy flowed. You want to know the best advertisement for Christianity? A happy face. Joy. Just joy. Because if you go walking around with a sour face and you talk about Jesus, they're going to say, I already got enough problems. Okay? Tell it to somebody else. I'm always smiling at people. I went into the barbershop the other day. Are you doing this because it's time to stop? Oh, I'm almost done, though. Okay. Oh, I thought a lady one time when I was preaching, I tell you, rang a bell because I had gone too long. She really did. She rang a bell. I was like, time to stop. <laughs> if people wanted to listen to me as much as I wanted to speak, we could go for hours. I learned it's not like that. Oh, and you lose your train of thought at 69 anyway. Where was I? Somebody, the joy thing. Yes. Walked into the barber shop. And I looked over at a guy, he was waiting, and I just smiled at him. That's all I did. I didn't say, here's a gospel track, you need to repent and be saved. I just smiled at him. And I looked around and saw a whole bunch of people in there, and I said, okay, I don't want to wait because I have no patience. And I left and came back like 45 minutes later, and he's still there. And I said, I said, I think it's your turn to get a haircut. And he said, no. He said, because I remember when you came in here before, you smiled at me. And it's your turn to get the haircut. What am I saying? I just smiled at him. Why? I don't know. I was happy. I have joy. My sins are forgiven. That's it. I'm just happy. That's why I love to teach. I, hey, if, if you want to make kids miserable, don't teach, please. Joy. You can't live without it. And the only way to have that kind of joy is to just get off yourself and fix your focus on one who is perfectly, entirely faithful to you to do all that he purposes and plans to do through your life. You will fail him. Just write it down. I will fail you, Lord, and I know it, period, okay? And over that is written, I will never fail you. I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. I will never stop loving you. I will use you to bring myself glory. Yeah. Yeah. Hudson Taylor was the most widely used missionary in China's history. During his 51 years of service there, his China Inland Mission established 20 mission stations, 849 missionaries to the field, 968 by 1911, trained some 700 Chinese workers, raised four millions of dollars by faith, following George Mueller's example, it is enough to ask the father, and Amy Carmichael. It has been said that at least 35,000 were his own converts, and that he baptized 50,000 people. 
Who was doing all this? God was doing this. He just found someone who was willing to trust a faithful God to do what only God can do and what God does. His gift for inspiring people to give themselves and their possessions to Christ was amazing. I don't know if I have that gift. I just know. I just know. Almost. I I just know this. And we'll stop with this slide. When those five missionaries were killed by the Wadani tribe, the Alcas, in Ecuador, is that it? Ecuador. Those five brave young men, Nate Saint and all of them. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of men and women surrendered to the mission field. You know that. And God's spirit was moving. And their accident was no mistake. If you've seen the movie, you understand that those those natives that God saved later saw shiny beings all around these men as they speared them to death. It was the angels escorting them to heaven. When they got saved, they said, did you have no idea what we saw? Bruce Porterfield surrendered to the call to missions with New Tribes Mission, surrendered, and went to Bolivia for many years. I'm a new Christian, and he comes to a missions conference, and he tells me these stories. Sleeping one night, wrapped up by an anaconda in the jungle, Squeezed to death, cries out to God for strength, unwraps the anaconda and goes on with his life. Ambushed by natives, bows drawn, they don't fire. Later, the natives get saved and they said, we tried, we couldn't let go. Something was holding our hands back from those arrows. And I'm thinking, okay, God, when the altar call comes, I'm up front. I want that. I want in my life that kind of faithfulness from a faithful God. And I remember the first six years, every year at the missions conference, I'd go up front and I'd just say, Lord, Send me to the mission field. Send me to those natives. Send me to those wild people out there. And he called me to teach. God has a sense of humor. And I love it. I'm done. By faith, Abel and Hudson Taylor still speak even though they're dead. In February of 1905, Taylor sailed for China for the last time. After a tour of submission stations, he died on June 3rd at the age of 73. That gives me three years, if God gives me three more years. I'll tell you this about the next three years. They're God's, and I want to ask that of you. 
I just want, I want you to know, whether it's three or 33 or 103, if they're not God's, if God doesn't have them, you're wasting your life. Because when you walk trusting the faithfulness of a God who is infinitely in love with you, you're wasting your life if you don't. I wish I had another 50 years to walk with God. I don't. My runway's kind of short. We're taking off soon. Don't know how soon. I always tell my students, I say, look, if I fall down dead in the classroom, and they all go like big eyes, and I said, well, I just need to tell you this, because you know I'm in my 60s, I may die today. I said, servant of the day, go get the principal and say to the principal, Mr. White told us this might happen. He died. He said he's not really there. He's in heaven. But his body is and is creeping us out. Will you please come get it? <laughs> Problem solved. I'm heaven. Body's gone. Kids go on, find a sub. But I don't know. Today, about 1,600 missionaries work for what is now known as the Overseas Missionary Fellowship International. International headquarters in Singapore is led by Patrick Fung, who's Chinese. Their mission statement is, we share the good news of Jesus Christ in all its fullness with East Asia's peoples to the glory of God. That's Hudson Taylor. God will do that and infinitely more through you in different ways, different people. But I'm just saying, don't hold back from God. Whatever it is, let it go. Just let it go. And lay hold of the faithfulness of a faithful God. And he will rock your world so that you, for his glory, will rock this world. So the way you got it. There is no other way. And smile a lot, because people will want to know either, what's wrong with him? <laughs> or, what do you got that I don't got? The joy of the Lord. Father, thank you so much. We love you. And God, may there be nothing, nothing in our lives that keeps us from allowing you to be a God who can do infinitely above and beyond all that we could ask or dream or imagine according to your power in these frail, fragile, weak, broken vessels. Lord, may you get the glory from our lives. You are so worthy of it in Jesus' name.